we've been looking at characteristics of healthy church members. And, and I want to say at the outset that we don't ever get to a place where as church members we sit back, relax, and say, I've arrived at the address of healthy church member. My job's done. I'm finished. My responsibilities are done. We, we're never going to get to that place, which means that, that we're always all growing. Okay, so, so I have room to grow. You have room to grow. And so the, this, this goal of ours is something we're, we're always going to be striving for. Healthy church membership is something we're always striving after. And so thus far, we, we've looked at the, the marks or the characteristics of a healthy church member, which are, in, in order, we've looked at a functioning church member, a unifying church member, a selfless church member, a praying church member, a church member who leads by example, we saw last week, and then this week, the, the final characteristic of a healthy church member is someone who views church membership as a gift, or someone who treasures church membership. It's as something, someone who understands the, the value of church membership. And so I want to look this morning at what it means to value church membership as a gift. And so as, as we begin, I want, to, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for this time. Um, so, so would you pray with me as, as I begin? Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the body that was broken for us on the cross, but also for the body that has been created by the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, his body. I thank you that we're not left alone. I thank you that we don't have to walk through this, this world. We don't have to live this life of faith by ourselves. Thank you for the gift of your spirit who is never not with us. But also thank you for our brothers and sisters, those that you've, you've made partakers of the same body of Christ, specifically the, the brothers and sisters that you've placed in this local church. And so I pray that you would you'd make us a church filled with men and women, church members who, who love this body, who love every member of this body. I pray that you'd make this local church a church filled with men and women, church members uh, who value and treasure membership in this body. And, and as members, those who experience real spiritual benefit as a result of their, of their union and participation in this body. And so, so the, this, this message, I pray, would be an encouragement to us. That's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, in order to get to our, our final destination of, of valuing church membership, we're going to work through three points. Okay, and they're, they're alliterative. Um, and so there's a, a pattern that hopefully will help you remember. So first we're going to see the place of membership. Then we're going to see the privileges of membership. Then we're going to close with the, the priority of membership. So first, the place of membership. And so under this first point, the, the main idea that I, that I want you to, to hear me make under this first point is that church membership is part of the total package of salvation. So I'm talking about the place of membership. I, I understand the place of church membership as part of the total package of salvation. In other, in other words, church membership must be understood within the larger context of our salvation because that's where it belongs. What I mean is that the salvation that's come to us through Christ is multifaceted. There are many blessings that have come to us through this salvation. For instance, the forgiveness of sins that come to us through Christ. The reconciled relationship with God that comes through Christ. The adoption as sons and daughters that comes through Christ. The hope of eternal life with God that comes through Christ. If you're here and you're not a Christian, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, these are all blessings that are available to you today. 
If you turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus, all of these blessings, salvation is available for you today. And you can access all of these blessings by simply believing in Christ, by, by worshiping Christ as we've just sung. And so salvation has a whole host of blessings available to anyone, no matter how bad you think you've been, no matter how messed up you think your life has been. There's, there's hope and there's salvation for all who look to Christ. The, the, the effectiveness of salvation is not from you, it's from Christ. And he is effective and he's able to save to the uttermost. And so if you're hearing that a Christian, let me just tell you, we're even talking about the blessings of salvation. Your first step is not to think about church membership. Your first step is to think about Christ and to put your faith in him. He offers salvation to anyone who would look to him with a heart of faith. But this salvation, this multifaceted salvation that has all of these blessings, these are all part of the total package. And my point here is that church membership is also part of that package. One of the aspects of salvation, one of the benefits or blessings of becoming a Christian is inclusion into the body of Christ. One of the benefits or blessings that's yours when you become a Christian is that you become a member of Christ's body. This is the very point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, when he says to the Corinthian Christians, he says, you, Christians, are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. And so what Paul says, what he teaches is that every Christian is an individual member of the corporate body of Christ. Every Christian, by way of their salvation, has been united to Christ and has become a member of his body. And here's the important connection. Here's the connection you have to, you have to follow me on. Every Christian has been united to the body of Christ. That's the blessing of salvation. I have no other way of displaying my union with Christ, not accomplishing my union with Christ, but displaying my union with Christ apart from my membership in a local church. You hear that? I, I can't display my union with Christ, which is a spiritual thing. I can't display that in any other way better than my union with the physical local body of Christ. And what's more, I have no other way of practically experiencing the blessing of my union with Christ apart from my membership in the local church. And so the local church is the body of Christ made visible. You can talk about your membership in the universal church all that you want, and you should. Right? There's a spiritual reality that, that when you repent of your sins and you put your faith in Jesus, you are part of a universal body of Christ that extends all times and all peoples and all places. But you don't see or experience participation in the universal church apart from the local church. You see the connection I'm making there? The local church, your participation and union to a local church, which is, is shown through membership, is a blessing that is yours through the salvation that's come to you by way of Christ. And so I, can, I, I say this often, and I, I can't say it too often, for someone to claim to be part of the body of Christ without participating in a local manifestation of that body is a contradiction. It is. To say, well, I love Jesus without showing your love for Jesus in participation in a local church, that, that's a contradiction. Membership in the body of Christ universal is displayed by membership in the body of Christ local. Membership in the body of Christ universal is displayed by membership in the body of Christ local, which is why I can say 
that the place of church membership is within the context of the total package of salvation. And so, so I would ask you, do you know a Christian who doesn't treasure the forgiveness of their sins? Do you know a Christian who isn't happy to have been adopted into God's family, to, to have God as father? Do you know a Christian who, who's downcast at the thought of eternal life with God? Hopefully not. I mean, hopefully all of these blessings are treasured and loved and received as gifts from God. And I want to add that among the benefits from Christ, among the blessings that are worth rejoicing in and celebrating and treasuring is our membership in the local body of Christ. I mean, here's, a, here's an illustration that might drive home the point. To treasure the salvation that's come to you through Christ while not believing and living like church membership is, a, is important is like treasuring a new car but saying that the doors aren't necessary. And I know at Christmas time we see those, those commercials where it's the husband and wife and he says, look what I got you for Christmas. It's a brand new Lexus with a bow on the top, right? That's, that's not the real world, but, but you get the point of the illustration. If you get a gift for Christmas and it's a new car, for you to treasure that gift, you treasure all parts of it. But if you say, well, actually, I love the car, but, but I don't need those doors. The doors are part of the car. And I'm saying that membership in the body of Christ is part of the total package. And for you to say, well, I love the salvation that's come to me by way of Christ, but I don't care about the local church, it, it doesn't make sense. There's no category for that person in the New Testament. And so church membership ought to be treated and treasured as the gift that it is. And so as a way of assessment... I would, ask you, I would ask you to consider, is it a privilege for you to be part of the body of Christ? Is church membership a gift that you value? Do you consider your membership in this local body as an act of God's grace to you? Do you recognize his, his including you in a local body as evidence of his kindness? Do you love the church of Christ? Do you love all of its individual members? Church membership is a gift and ought to be treasured by us. Our inclusion and participation in the body of Christ has been accomplished for us by Christ himself. It is a gift that's tied to our salvation. That is the place of church membership. That's the first step in moving towards treasuring it. But, but second, related to the place, we move to a second point. Secondly, the, the privileges of membership. The privileges of membership. So not only must church membership be considered in the larger context of the benefits of salvation, it should also be considered in light of the benefits or privileges that it provides. So, so there are benefits that come through membership, and I'm going to highlight four of these privileges that, that, are, that are the privilege of every single member of every single local church, or ought to be. And so the first privilege is that the local church provides first a place to serve. And so membership in the local church provides you with a place to serve. It's, a, it's the context for you to use your spiritual gifts. We talked about this in, in one of our first sermons on church membership. But by way of reminder, every Christian, if you're a Christian, you've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit. God himself has gifted you for the purpose of serving. And not only has he given you a gift, he's also placed every single member of the body in the place where he sees fit. So in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, Paul says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Which means that every member of 
Fox Hill Road Baptist Church has been placed here by the Spirit himself for the explicit purpose of exercising your gift. There's a direct connection between Spirit-given gifts and participation in the local body. To put it more clearly, to be a recipient of the Holy Spirit and his gifts assumes that you are part of a body. I mean, I mean, spiritual gifts cannot be exercised abstractly. They can't. If you don't have relationships in which you can encourage, or use the gift of encouragement, if you don't have relationships, you can't just encourage someone abstractly. Spiritual gifts are used in, in real context, and that context is the local church. So local, the local church is the primary place for you to function as a member of the body of Christ. The great privilege of church membership is it provides you with a place to serve. And so if you're here, if you're a member of this church, first recognize that God has placed you in this body for a specific purpose, to love and serve the other members of this body. And that is a privilege. So if you're part of this church and you don't feel like you have a place to serve, that's a problem. And it may be my fault, it may be your fault, but regardless of the source of that problem, it's a problem that we must address because you've been placed here to serve other members of the body and there are brothers and sisters who need you to serve and love and care for them. And when you're not doing it, we don't have a place to do that, they are lacking and so are you. And so church membership gives a place to serve. Well, secondly, connected to that, secondly, church membership provides a people to love. The local church provides you other Christians that you are responsible for loving. If you're a member of Fox Hill Road Baptist Church, you are divinely responsible for loving every other member of Fox Hill Road Baptist Church, period. End of story. Doesn't matter Sunday school class, doesn't matter age, doesn't matter any of that. If, if they are a member and you're a member, you are obligated, called to love them. This gets back to the fundamental identity of the church. The church, if you notice in, in all of the New Testament analogies, whether, whether it's the body of Christ or the temple of the Spirit or the, the people or family of God, the church in all those images is described in terms of its, its togetherness, its unity. It's part of the identity of the church. It's a united thing. It's especially true in the image of, of family. New Testament assumes that, that when you become a Christian, you get a whole new family. There's a whole new set of relationships that you automatically become part of. You're, you're part of a new family, and you're responsible. Not only are, are you benefited by their loving you, but you also get to love and serve them. That's what families do. They, they care for one another. I said in an earlier sermon that the church is a family of brothers and sisters who stick with one another and who are stuck with one another. That's what we do. That's what family is. And, and we ought to be a family because that's what God designed the church to be. And, it, and you love every other church member because you recognize that, that every single one has been placed here for a purpose. And so I, I would just ask you, have you ever considered that one of the primary reasons for your membership in a local church is for the benefit of others? That's part of what we talked about a few weeks ago, selflessness. You are, are here for the good of others. Your membership is to serve others. Church membership provides you with a people to love. 
And so if it's helpful, envision every other member of this church as someone with a bullseye on them. They're a target for you. Now, now stick with me. Maybe not how you think. They are a target at which you're to take aim and fire. And you're to unload quiver after quiver after quiver of love and care and patience and gentleness and prayer and so on. You are to attack your fellow church members with those things. So they are overwhelmed. Can you imagine? I would love if, if I was getting calls, so-and-so, they love me too much. I wish they'd stop. I, that's, a, that's a phone call I want to have. If you're a member here, that's your job description, to love and care for other members of this church. And so church membership provides you with people to love. And as members love one another as they ought, church membership then becomes a place where you find our third benefit, protection from sin. Church membership provides you with protection from sin. If you think that's overstating the importance of membership, listen to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Here's, here's what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews 3, starting in verse 12. He writes, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So did you notice the problem in verse 12? There are evil, unbelieving hearts that lead us to fall away from the living God. So that's the problem in verse 12. But then verse 13, did you notice how verse 13 calls us to remedy that problem? It calls us, brothers and sisters, to exhort one another every day. And the result of not doing that, of failing to encourage one another every day, is that hearts are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I mean, that dynamic, that, that's a powerful dynamic and explanation of what the body of Christ is for. That's a dynamic at work in the church. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's a problem. Verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In the local church, God has given every believer and group of brothers and sisters who are called to be committed to, dedicated to, daily seeking to prevent the deadly disease of hard hardness, hardness forming in their own lives. And so you've been given a body here that's a safeguard against you being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is a privilege granted to every believer who comes to us through the local church. God has not left us alone in this world. He's given us a family to safeguard our faith. This is why when you stop showing up to church, when you stop participating in the life of the body, it often proves to be deadly. It's often also why, hopefully, when you stop showing up to church, hopefully there are brothers and sisters, Sunday school teachers or members, deacons, pastors, who are going to take notice and then begin reaching out to you and asking you, where have you been? We miss you. That, that's what families do. This is also why, in my experience, neglecting church attendance and participation in the body is normally, and I say normally, not always, but normally the first sign of spiritual trouble. That's the first step away. 
when someone who was once active in the church gradually falls out of regular attendance and participation, there are more times than not spiritual or sinful causes of that. Of course, they won't tell you that. They won't tell you, well, I'm falling away from the Lord. I'm struggling with this sin. I'm I'm pursuing things I shouldn't. They won't say that's why they're not there. You'll hear lots of excuses as to why they aren't here. I'm busy. We're sick. I had to go out of town. I'm tired. Lots of them. But often underneath those excuses, not always, but often, there's a spiritual or a sin problem leading to a gradual drifting away. And what we fail to realize is that this tragedy, we fail to realize that the local church is the place that's been given to us to help us fight against sin and temptation, to guard us against sin's deceitfulness, and instead we fall out of the habit and we stop going and we feel worse and worse and worse and say, I'm not ever going to go back there because I don't want people to ask me where I've been because I've I've been up to no good, so I'm not going to go back. And so we just stop coming. They don't even remember me anymore. No one's calling me anymore. And in so doing, we end up avoiding the only place and the only relationships that God has given us to guard us and help us against that. The church is the place that we should run when we are struggling. The relationships within the church are the place where you should run when life is hard, when you need help. The ideal church is a place where it's a hospital that we're all messed up, but we all have a Jesus who fixes us and changes us and doesn't leave us messed up. And so I recognize, maybe you've been down and out and you think, well, the people at at this church won't love me. I recognize that there may be some truth to that, but but we don't want to be there. We want to grow in that. We want to recognize we're all sinners and we all need Jesus. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I need him. I need him today as much as I did yesterday. And I'll need him tomorrow as much as I do today. And so this is the place that God meets my needs and encourages me through his word, through prayer, through singing, through relationships. These are the means that God has ordained to help me persevere in my faith. And when I leave this, I leave the God-ordained means of perseverance. And in worst case scenario, I leave Christ himself. The local church ought to be a place where members are cared for. And hopefully as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm caring for members, but I'm not the only one responsible for caring for members. Members are responsible for caring for other members. And so you should hear me say, if you're a member here, one of your jobs is to care for the spiritual well-being of other members. That's your responsibility. They are your responsibility and you are their responsibility. It's a mutual care that takes place in the local church. God has given us one another for the express purpose of encouraging and spurring one another on. And so just, just... Ask yourself, how are, you, how are you using your relationships in this body for the good of others? Have you been a spiritual encouragement to someone this week? Have you encouraged someone? Did you text someone's scripture? Did you send a Facebook message to someone you know is hurting? Did you remind someone of God's great mercy this week? I mean, no Christian should ever be tired of being reminded of God's grace and mercy. So remind remind your brothers and sisters of that. Did you pray for someone? Did you remind someone of the precious promises that have come to them that are yes and amen in Christ? All of these are ways that 
And there are lots more, but they're all specific ways to obey the call of Hebrews 3.13 to exhort one another daily. We ought to be caring for one another. We can all grow in this. But finally, under the privilege of church membership, there's a place to serve, a people to love, protection from sin, and finally, a pastor to follow. It is only within the context of the local church that a Christian can obey the New Testament commands to follow and submit to their leaders. I mean, for instance, Hebrews 13, 17 says, quote, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so my question is, if you're a Christian who is not part of a local church, how do you obey that command? How do you know your leaders that you're supposed to follow and submit to if you're not part of a local church? Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 Paul writes, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you, that's authority, in the Lord and those who admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And my question would be, how do you respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you? How do you know who those people are if you're not part of a local church? And so local church gives you a pastor or pastors to follow. Now, I realize the irony of me saying this, but the reality is if God calls a man to pastor, to lead, to shepherd a church, that pastor's authority doesn't come from himself. It comes by way of the church's recognition of God's will. That's why you voted on me as a church. That's why our Constitution Bible says if if you're calling a pastor, the church has the authority to call the pastor because the church is the means by which God ordains his will. So the church says, we want you to be our pastor. On the other side, the church also says, we don't want you to be our pastor anymore, which you have the authority to do. But the the authority of the pastor comes from God who has ordained him in the position by means of the church. At least in our context, that's how God ordains pastors. And if God has called and equipped a pastor and has placed him in a particular local church, he, that is God, has done it for the good of the church and has done it for the good of the members of that church. God-given pastors are for the benefit of the members, but that benefit is lost if members refuse to follow. I'll also add, for your sake, that benefit is also lost when leaders refuse to lead. But pastors are given to churches for the good of the church. And this is why I always want to be clear. If you're in a local church and under the authority of a pastor or pastors that you don't respect and cannot follow, if you're in a local church and you're under the authority of a pastor or pastors that you don't respect and cannot follow, you should leave that church. You you can't leave fast enough. You should find a church and a pastor or pastors that you can joyfully and willfully submit to. Because pastors are given for the good of the church. And if you can't submit to that, there's another pastor or pastors for you to serve under and submit to. If you can't respect and submit a local pastor, you should not stay at that that church. Now listen, I know I'm not a perfect leader. I am aware of my shortcomings. I'm continually growing as a pastor. And God is continually making me more and more aware of my weaknesses. And so I recognize that. And so I mean it when I say, if you ever come into my office and you tell me, I can't stay here, my family can't stay here at this church any longer because of you, if you tell me I cannot in good conscience follow you as my pastor, 
I will respect that decision. That is the right decision. And I would appreciate that conversation. I would love the opportunity for you to tell me that. I'll respect that decision. I will pray for God's guidance in your life as you seek to find the right church for you. Now, for my own sake, I'll probably want to know some specifics of ways I can grow. I won't be mad at you. I won't talk about you behind your back. But for my own sake, I want to know, well, how can I improve? Not to win you back, but just to know for the sake of God's people, how can I be a better shepherd? But I will respect you because I'd much rather you be a part of a local church where you can realize the benefits of church membership instead of being a part of a church where you could not in good conscience obey the Bible. That's why scripture is so clear on those who create division, those who try and stir up controversy are to be warned once, then twice, and then kicked out. Rather than staying, find another place. The last thing I'll say here, if you're ever under a pastor who's in sin, who's leading the church away from God, if you're ever under a pastor who's teaching things that are not within the realm of orthodoxy, who no longer fits the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1, which, by the way, we'll look at some of these, if you're ever under that pastor, if that's ever the case, your responsibility is not to submit to him, but instead your responsibility is to remove him from his office. Because when an unqualified pastor is leading a church, it is no longer a benefit to the church, but a detriment to the church. And an unqualified pastor wreaks havoc in the local church and in the lives of local church members. And so in that case, the pastor must be removed. But most of the time, we find God-given qualified pastors leading churches. And when that is the case, those pastors ought to be followed and the privilege of church membership is to follow and encourage that pastor, which leads us to our, our final section. Thirdly, the priority of church membership. So you see its place, and we see the, at least four of its privileges as we look thirdly at the priority of church membership. The last section for us to briefly consider is the priority of church membership, and really this has been the intention of this entire series, to highlight the role that, that you as church members and I as a church member play in this church, in in the growth of this church toward health. I want us to be a church where membership matters, where membership is prioritized, and recognizing that, that the place of membership is within the larger context of the forgiveness that's come to us through Christ, and recognizing that numerous privileges have come to us through membership, it should go without saying that prioritizing church membership is the call of the Christian If you're a Christian, you're called to prioritize church membership. In this sense, church membership ought to be on the forefront of every Christian's mind. So much so that it ought to be difficult for you or me to envision living the Christian life apart from membership in the local church. In fact, I would go as far as to say that it's impossible to faithfully live the Christian life apart from involvement in a local church. I'd go as far as to say that it's impossible to faithfully live the Christian life apart from the local church. I mean, the reality is that Christ died to purchase his church. Christ himself is the head of the church. Christ has given his spirit and many gifts to the church. Christ has promised that nothing will ever prevail against his church. This is why the church ought to be prioritized because the church has been promised things 
that no other human institution is promised. This is why you ought to prioritize the church. And so I simply want to ask you, do you prioritize the church? Do you value church membership as a gift from God? Whether a member of this church or another church, how do you view local church membership? My hope for us as a church is that as God continues to work in us and through us, that we might become a church filled with men and women, members committed to valuing church membership as the gift that it is. I long for us to be a church filled with men and women who understand and live out meaningful membership. I long for us to be filled with members who function in accordance with their gifts, a church whose members are committed to the unity of the church, a church whose members are selfless and consider others above themselves, a church whose members devote themselves to constantly praying for one another, a church whose members lead by example, whether in the home or in the church or in the community, and a, member, and a church of members who recognize membership as a gift. This is my prayer. This is my hope. This has been the goal of this series. And so I hope that you'll reread and reread the book that we provided. If you don't have it, talk to me and we'll, we'll get you a copy. Visit it regularly. I hope you'll revisit your, your notes if you've been taking notes through this series. Revisit those. Re-listen to the sermons. They're all online and you can listen to them. I think all these things will be valuable resources and aids that I hope will, will help encourage us towards healthy church membership. But most of all, most of all, my prayer for us, the thing that will most improve our view of membership and our understanding of the value of church membership, the thing that, that I'm aiming to do and the thing that I'm challenging you all to do more than anything else is to grow in our love for and our devotion to Christ himself, to love him and treasure him and value him above all else. Because as we do, as we treasure Christ, as we value Christ, as we worship Christ, and as we behold him in his glory, we are transformed into his likeness. We behold Christ and we become like Christ. We all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That, that's the Christian life. And as we are gradually transformed into the image of Christ, we will not be able to do anything other than love and value his body, the local church. Let's, let's pray as we close.